It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Being broadcast daily, well, at least weekly, from high atop the Boom Boom Room, yeah! And thank you, Fake Band. <laughs> there they go, thank you, Fake Audience. What was the place they used to broadcast the Arthur Godfrey show from? When I was a little kid, my mom would put me on the kitchen counter. I think she was hoping I'd fall off and do a face plant. While she'd be cleaning up after breakfast, and she would play the Arthur Godfrey show from high atop the something or other hotel. I was always impressed by that. Probably not the Boom Boom Room. Anyway, hello to the folks in the chat room. We've got Gloria, Adriana, Dan... We'll write you a song, C&B Relaxing Music. I need that today, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Fentamulus, uh, Fentamulonis, uh, uh, Peter Rahill, Mark Himley, Stuart Benbo, Lou Lewis, Darren Fletcher, Dave Croft. Hi, Dave. I'll see you later on this week, I think. Michelle Perrone, uh, or Perrin, Scott Hansen. Tonight's Taxi TV menu, direct from Scott's Restaurant. We're serving our vegetarian lasagna with our house salad and our homemade focaccia bread and a glass of Chianti with some faba beans. Anyway, this week we are doing How to Interpret Taxi Listings. Um, it's a black art, <laughs> just to say the least. Uh, I know a lot of you guys get frustrated. I would too. We get it. We really, we do get it around here it's not like we're insensitive to this issue but I think by the end of this episode hopefully I will have you on track to better interpret the listing so that you can get more forwards get more stuff signed and ultimately get more stuff out there in the world so millions of people can hear it and you can make millions and millions of dollars because that's how much they pay for every single sink right nope it's a penny business but the pennies add up so okay don't need that page anymore Lunch. Let me grab some pages I do need. So last week, I asked for you folks to trying to shrink a window here um, to cough up some ideas for this week's show. Because frankly, I didn't have one. Uh, and a guy who's normally in the chat room, I don't see him today because um, I'd really like a pronunciate pronunciation of his name. It's from Steve Nickel or Nicel N I C E. E-L, N-I-C-E-L. So Steve sent in a rather lengthy uh, suggestion for a show, but this is, I'm going to read it to you because this is where today's show came from. Hi, Michael. I'm just following up on the topic of song references from Taxi TV today in response to a comment I made regarding screeners and reference song accuracy. Thanks for that breakdown, by the way. Always nice to have a question followed up with more info. We do our best, Steve. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It's tricky to find trying to read minds. Frustrating all around for you guys at Taxi trying to nail them down, meaning the industry folks, and also for the writers trying to bring enough definition to ghost figures to turn them into music. This becomes particularly challenging to accept as a writer when a song is returned because it was assessed that it didn't sound close enough to the references, when in reality you genuinely feel that you did a decent job. Decent ain't good enough, but we'll get to that later. Uh, it's striking a fine balance between written description and the song references. Uh, I know it's a numbers game, although I struggle writing tracks when those two forms of criteria seem to contradict one another in the search info from a musical elements perspective. 
Okay, I need to lock in a musical. I need to lock in musical tone elements early to begin arranging a piece of music that makes sense and re represents the search. If I can lock down the actual request average, if I can't lock down the actual request average, I can't start the piece and the whole mood slash feel turns on its head later on if I try to readjust the tone elements after the fact. So sometimes I feel myself sitting there for hours trying to interpolate the directive. I gotta stop you right there. I'm gonna stop me right there. Steve, honestly, if you're spending hours trying to interpolate the directive, just don't bother. Move on. Um, by that stage, hundreds of ideas have flown through my head, by, but keeping things in perspective, I guess, and as Steve said on the show last week, meaning um, Steve Barden, composer Steve Barden, who joined us two weeks ago, uh, we're making widgets. couple of examples recently. First was a search with a description asking for instrumental cues that were not synth sounding at all, yet all three references had prominent synth elements in them which gave them their sonic branding and sound. That really confused me. Okay, I'm going to address this one right now while we're on it. It probably said not synthy sounding or synthetic sounding. What that means is there's some stuff, yes, you can have synthesizers in something, but it doesn't sound synthy. Um, synthy means bad synth sounds, dated synth sounds, obviously synthy. In other words, if it's got horns in there, but the horns sound like they're coming out of a little Casio, you know, from 1992. That is synthy. Um, so it doesn't mean you can't have synths in it. It means you can't have bad synths. <laughs> synths in it. <clears throat> Try and say that three times in a row. And from that, I can only assume that the company must have liked the song's sound for their scene. Otherwise, they wouldn't have chosen them for us to submit related music to. So in other words, uh, Steve is saying, I'm, I was confused because it said, don't give us anything that, uh, I don't have the actual listening in front of me, but probably not synthy sounding, but he was confused because the references they gave us had synths in it. So he's assuming they liked it with the synths in it. Correct, but everybody in the industry, unless it's something for like a video game, a, a chip tune kind of thing, you know, that sounds like uh, the soundtrack for Mario Brothers, that's an example of stuff that sounds synthy. Um, or was that taxi, or was, I think there's a word missing here, or was it the taxi was trying to guess their request also? And if so, how are we going to write music when where all three parties are guessing? Isn't that like trying to solve an equation with no constant? You know, I was never really good with the constant thing, so I'm not going to comment on that. I got D's in math. Um, although I did find out that I have an IQ of 122 yesterday because just for giggles, I took an IQ test. So um, I cheated on the math part, though. Second, an instrumental search that asked for hip-hop in the description yet gave songs with a straight pop-chill vibe. Nothing closely related to hip-hop. In this one, I sent a cue that weighted a little more heavily on the average of the pop chill reference songs, but it was returned because it wasn't hip hop. That's a tough call, I know, but what if the supervisor actually did want something a little closer to the ref songs and the cue I sent? Just thinking out loud there. 
would it be reasonable to say that at times companies looking for songs often have difficulty identifying the sound or musical instrumentation that they believe they're looking for? Yes, that is so friggin' true. Um, this, this is not fault picking fault. I just like discussing the nuts and bolts of things to better attempt reading between the lines. I get you. Um, disparity between such description criteria slash elements and song examples make it challenging to guesstimate what is actually being sought. Unless we had a crystal ball into what medium slash show slash film slash scene they're actually needing it for with a smiley face. Um, but as I already know, this is not the nature of the industry. It's not bricks and mortar. Uh, the reward is in discovering our own, six our own success model. Anyway, thanks again. All the best, Steve Nicell. Well, Steve, um, thanks for the inspiration for this episode. It's going to be an extremely difficult episode for me to um, hit everything, give you a perfect explanation for everything. Because what we're talking about, I should get my notes out. Um, where the hell did my notes go? Here they are now. Okay. Uh, oh, I want to make an announcement, uh, and then I will get right back to this. You know how you guys, uh, many of you say, oh, my stuff is forwarded, and I haven't heard anything for two weeks, or for six weeks, or for six months, or for a year. We have a new record holder. We actually had somebody, I got a call the other day from somebody in the industry that said, uh, I'm trying to reach out to one of your members whose music I got from you some time ago. She didn't even say some time ago. Music I got from you, and I'm not having any luck contacting this gentleman, so can you help me, Michael? Well, I looked the guy up, and uh, looked like he hadn't been a member for quite some time. And so I reached back out, and I said to the lady, how long ago did you get the music? And she goes, nine years ago. So from music that was forwarded nine years ago, this person in the industry was reaching out to this gentleman. Why? Because she did what everybody else in the industry seems to do, which is when they hear something they like, they're not going to take the time to reach out to every person that they like musically and say, I really like that piece. I'm going to put it in a file on my desktop. And someday I may need something like that. And that part of my brain that remembers stuff like that, because I'm a music supervisor or publisher, is going to remember, because they do, um, that it's in a file under spooky music uh, on my computer's desktop. Sure enough, that happened the other day. This lady reached out and she ultimately was connected uh, with a taxi member who submitted that piece of music nine years ago. So never give up hope. So uh, writing listings and interpreting them on your side is far from being an exact science on both of our parts. Um, I want you to know that each listing goes through at least three people before it goes out to you guys. And even with that, there are plenty of them that I would fix when I see them later in print. Um, I'm sure you guys know that uh, feeling when you know, you've got a piece of music that's out in the world and you think, gee, I could have done this better or that better. Um, I always say I've never had anything make it onto a record that I wouldn't have changed later. As a matter of fact, I was in, the, I was in Target the other night. Um, shopping and all of a sudden I heard uh, You Are the Woman by Firefall which was the first record that I was officially the assistant engineer on when I was like 19 years old maybe and um, I heard that playing in the speakers and obviously it brought back some warm and fuzzy memories 
but I heard stuff in there thinking, oh my gosh, the flute's too loud. Not that I mixed it, but you know, nothing is ever perfect. Um, so here's how it goes. The, the life cycle of a listing. Remember, it goes through at least three people. Um, oh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what a listing is, it's simply a request from somebody in the industry who's looking for music from our members. So Taxi gets a call or an email. I'd say more emails than phone calls these days. And this is a pretty typical example, although I'm not sure that anything is entirely typical. Uh, the person says, I need some dramatic tension. Hey, Bria, can you make it cooler in here and hit the, the down button one time? It was freezing right before I started the show. I hit the up button to warm it up, and now it's like feeling like Miami over here. Um, thank you. So pretty typical example. They say, I need some dramatic tension. That's the directive we get from the industry. Then we ask, do you mean instrumental dramatic tension? Now, we're smart enough to know that they probably do mean instrumental, but we need to confirm that. So what type are you talking about, we ask them. Orchestral dramatic tension, something that's more synth-driven, or maybe even could be rockish or hip-hop-ish, could be a creepy crying guitar. You know, what? What do you mean when you say um, instrumental dramatic tension? I mean, really, what do you mean? And they go, uh, and they've got to think about it. So... Do you mean the type of tension that we hear while we wait to see which bachelorette gets eliminated or which one gets the rose? Or do you mean the kind where somebody's frantically looking for an escaped convict who just ran down a dark alley and the protagonist is sweating bullets as he moves through the alley with his gun drawn, expecting to be jumped at any moment? Or do you mean the type that you'd hear in the background when somebody's having a domestic argument and it's obvious that the relationship is about to end? You could have dramatic tension music of varying degrees and varying types and genres in any of those scenes. So what did this person respond? The reality show kind. Okay, now if I want to get really picky, I could say, you mean reality show like um, Pit Bulls and Parolis or the Kardashians? Or do you mean reality show like Survivor or the great race or whatever it's called or do you mean a reality show like the bachelor or bachelorette what the hell do you mean they don't really think about it and frankly i've met a lot of people in the industry that don't really have an incredibly good lexicon for describing what they need because it's kind of visceral um we had a, a brilliant woman i've mentioned her in a couple of shows recently uh, laurel ostrander She's an incredibly good video editor that edits a lot of great reality shows. Did I just say great in reality show in the same sentence? Well, shame on me. Anyway, she edits a lot of those shows, and she's extremely good at what she does. She was an excellent teacher at the Road Rally, um, and she will be coming back again in, the, in November for the 2018 Road Rally, November 1st through the 4th. And we discussed this thing about the lexicon of people who need music. She, rather than her thinking in her editor's brain, um, I need a piece of Baroque instrumental. She doesn't think like that. She thinks in terms of what she needs the music to accomplish. I need something that sounds a little highbrow for this scene. Um, okay, highbrow could be prog rock, or it could be a Baroque piece. Um, you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> it's 
one person's apple is another person's kumquat. <laughs> they're both fruit, but they're different. Um, okay, so uh, where was I at that point? Uh, after this gentleman has said to us, uh, I need, uh, what was it they were looking for? Um, uh, Got to go back a page. Um, instrumental dramatic tension. And we've now figured out by poking and prodding um, the best answer we could get is the reality show kind. And we've poked and prodded a little more and we figured out that it was kind of the stuff uh, for, let's say, The Bachelorette, where elimination music, you know, which honestly could be called a genre of its own by some people. So at this point, the facts that, as we know them get entered into a database here at Taxi World Headquarters. Um, and one of our staffers begins to write the listing up. Now, this isn't somebody who just started writing listings like a week ago. Um, this is somebody who's been at it for well over a year and writes, you know, 1,000 to 1,200 listings a year. So definitely a, an acquired and learned skill set. So rather than reinventing the wheel, as you guys have probably noticed, we will often copy and paste stuff like the deal points that you see at the end of the listing. There's no point in writing that up from scratch and taking a chance on missing something if it's for, let's say it's a music library that we've run, you know, 37 other listings for in the past year. We're going to take the same deal language, assuming that their deal hasn't changed, because we do have to kind of stay up to date on that, and we paste that in the bottom. But we also have to check, because sometimes the deal will be different if it's songs they're looking for versus instrumentals. So we got to really pay attention. Um, sometimes it's a genre that we know our members really like feedback on, so we look on our assignment calendar and see if we have enough screeners and time available to make that listing into an S listing, which means that it's going to be screened and you're going to get um, more complete feedback on it. If time and screeners are a little skinny, uh, we may make it, we'll probably make it a wide listing because most film and TV stuff doesn't take, uh, the listings usually aren't for 30, 60, or 90 days like they used to be back in the day when we ran a lot of the S listings. So all those things go into just the deal part, just that last paragraph. And that's not even, you know, like the creative stuff. That's just the actual hard facts that you guys have to know about the deal um, and the deadline. Um, let's see. Uh, where was a phrases become okay we often use words or phrases over and over because we've refined the lexicon with over 25 years of writing listings so we're pretty adept and well practiced at um, how do you say this best and frankly uh, I go back and look at some of our older listings and I'm quite embarrassed by the fact that we could have said things a lot better five years ago ten years ago twenty years ago um, it wasn't that it was crap, it's just we've gotten a lot better now. It's just like cars are a lot better now than they were 25 years ago, right? They still have four wheels, they still have a steering wheel, at least for now. Um, they still have headlights and tail lights and seats and all that stuff. But they're just better. Same thing with our listings. Um, we've often, we often use words, I know this drives you guys crazy, like compelling. You see that in so many of our listings. Well, what's better than compelling? Something that's good enough to compel a listener to like it, right? Compelling, good word. Contemporary, duh. Modern, double duh. Um, please be sure to include any of the following. Touring, fan base, or sales, streaming, or impressive social media figures you may have in your bio. Well, how could we say that better? We really can't. 
So you're going to see it showing up listing after listing, and people think, ooh, they're just copying and pasting because they're lazy. Now, it's not because we're lazy. It's because we've brought this down to a science, and we're using the stuff that we know works best. Uh, we also say stylistic ballpark or wheelhouse. People on the staff laugh at me for using wheelhouse, but i got to admit, I stole that. Wheelhouse was the favorite word of Carl Lewis, one of our longtime screeners. You know, the guy in the bathrobe who um, hosts the open mic uh, upstairs at the Red Rally every year? Carl's favorite word in the entire world was wheelhouse. I stole it from him. Uh, found on a playlist. We use that all the time. Well-crafted. Use it all the time. Well-structured. All the time. Believable. Honest. Vocal delivery. Really? I mean, yeah, you know, if you're talking about an intimate guitar vocal thing, you got to have a believable, honest vocal delivery. That's a great way to describe it. We could say, you know, on pitch, um, you know, clear pipes, good projection, but man, honest vocal. That's what they want. They want um, authentic sounding instrumentation, stuff that doesn't sound like that little Casio portable from the 90s. They want stuff that actually sounds like real strings and real horns, and it's got to really sound like real strings and real horns. Um, visually descriptive lyrics, when we're putting country listings out there. Go to Nashville, spend a month you know, doing your best to hang out with publishers and songwriters. You're going to hear the phrase visually descriptive lyrics being used over and over and over. That's so the listener can shut his or her eyes and actually picture the room that the people in the song are standing in, or the road they're traveling down, or the sky they're looking up at, or the heartbreak they're feeling. Visually descriptive lyrics. Uh, when the listing is being written, the person writing it will sometimes reach out and ask the person who's requesting the music, do you have any other ideas, comments, or thoughts? Sometimes we'll take the listing, and especially when it's a, a brand new client that we're working with, we will always take the listing that we've written, send it back to them and go, okay, here's what your listing looks like. How do you feel about it? 95%, maybe even 99% of the time, they're stunned with our accuracy, our ability to better describe it than they could, our ability to understand and interpret what they want. So we really, really, really work hard at this stuff. Um, once the first draft of the listing is written, the people in the A&R department will start looking for references. Um, this is an extremely arduous and very, very, very difficult task. 95% of the time, the person who asks us for the music can't give any good references. And when they do, they often realize that they've used the wrong genre to describe what they really need. When, when, they, when push comes to shove and we say, come on, damn it, give us a reference, um, they go, oh, I guess it wasn't you know, dramatic or orchestral or whatever after all. Oh, really? Okay. So now, a lot of times, we might have to go back and, and rewrite the listing if we've done that first before we go back maybe and double-check with them about the references. Um, it's a pain in the butt. Um, so, yeah, look, it's... They know, let's say, let's take an example. Music library owners know which genres are hot because they get requests from music supervisors, or video editors, or executive producers of shows, or ad agency people. So they tend, they have a pretty good feel for you know what's popular right now, what's being asked for a lot. So they can just blurt that out to us and say, find me XYZ. They may not even really know what XYZ is up here in their cabeza. They may not have the lexicon to describe it, 
but they just parrot it back out because they know if everybody's looking for it, they need to have it. Or they might need to have a better version of it or a more modern version of it. Um, so there you go. Um, that sound you hear is the fan on my computer pumping away. Um, and a lot of times if we ask the companies to give us references, you'd think, come on, damn it, how hard can it be? You're asking for music? Isn't the least you could do would be to give a reference? Um, they don't want to take the time. To be honest with you, like I've said on the show a million times, they would much rather be pitching than doing this other stuff. Because digging up references, I mean, for each listing, I would say it probably takes anywhere between 20 minutes and an hour, maybe even sometimes an hour and a half to come up with three references. And now you say, well, gee, that's part of the problem. I think Steve pointed that out in his letter. Part of the problem is, okay, the first thing lines up, the first reference lines up with what the listing mentioned, you know, the genre is. The second one, yeah, I get it, that's a pretty good match. Now the third one really doesn't sound anything like those first two references. But what you've got to look for is the fact that it says they're looking for stuff in a range or stuff that would be on a playlist. And we'll get to that when I'm actually going through some you know, real examples of listings. Those are such incredibly important phrases in the range of. It doesn't mean they're looking for a bunch of stuff that sounds almost identical to Stairway to Heaven. No, they're looking for stuff that sounds like it could be on a record with Stairway to Heaven or would be getting played by a bunch of pot-smoking, acid-dropping hippies in a dorm room um, that are also listening to Stairway to Heaven. So it, it depends on the context of what they're working on if they want an exact match or if they want something that would be in a range of or a good example would be there's a party going on. If I went to a party, it would be one kind of music being played in the background, probably old fogey music. If Bria, who's sitting four feet away from me, went to a party, it would be younger, hipper, more contemporary music because that music is the musical lexicon, my favorite word of the day, for her age group. So you have to think of um, the context and look for words like range in the listing, in the range of, or in the stylistic ballpark of, or in the stylistic wheelhouse of. We will even do stuff to like further point you in the right direction that if they're specifically trying to replace a song that's been tempted in, we will delicately tell you that. Now, oftentimes, if they're looking for a replacement, do I believe in my little heart of hearts that they would like something that sounds virtually identical but somehow magically doesn't rip off the song that they can't afford to put in their movie? Yeah, probably. Would anybody in the industry be willing to take their chance? that chance? Probably not. Um, they might do it more out of, for lack of a prettier sounding word, more out of stupidity than out of any form of malice. People in the industry generally don't want to rip people off. They're not built that way. I know everybody thinks everybody in the industry is out to get you and out to rip you off. But you know what? They're not going to try and rip you off when it's their entire career and their livelihood and their financial support system that's going to put food on the table for their family. Is it really worth it to try and get you to rip off Stairway to Heaven? No. But they're going to tell you through us that they're looking for something that 
you know, has a bluesy rock guitar, comes from that time period, has that same kind of, like, rambunctious rock and roll attitude. They're, they're going to use descriptors that get you in the ballpark or the wheelhouse of that song without giving you a directive to exactly copy it with a slightly different melody and a different lyric. You know what? Oftentimes that's not going to work anyway because it's going to sound like such a, an intentional ripoff. The audience is going to feel like they got cheated out of the real thing. But they do want something that's probably got a similar guitar vibe, a similar complement of instruments. Um, tempo can often be important because they've oftentimes, almost all the time, have already edited the scene, and the scene has a certain rhythm to it, meaning the, the speed at which with the edits are made. Is it quick cuts? Is it slower cuts? Does it, the scene have kind of a, a laid-back legato feel to it, or is it chop, 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 quick, quick, quick? So those things all determine the aspects of the reference song that was temped in. Those are, that kind of gives them a direction for what they're looking for in the replacement. So, um, I think I've covered all the stuff on my little list of precursors. So let's just jump right in. Um, I, I've got to say, um, Aaron Michelle, one of our viewers sent me this a few weeks ago, and I know that you guys would probably like to lob one of these <laughs> from time to time, but I just really, really want... There, I can get the light back in my face. Huh? Um, I want you guys to know that as much as you want to throw a grenade at us sometimes, we work unbelievably hard to make our listings really, really good, the best in the industry. And we get so many compliments on them from the industry side. Um, our listings are so good that other sites, and I kid you not, other so-called competitors of taxis will actually take our listings and change a little bit of the first sentence, a little bit of the last sentence, uh, and put the listing out on their website, even though they don't know who we're running the listing for, which clearly means they're defrauding you guys because they're just making up listings, you know, uh, and they figure, why should I go the effort of writing one up when I can just steal it from taxi? Um, there's another company that I believe is really well thought of that uh, puts out listings with pretty little video thumbnails on there, and it says, um, looking for happy songs for a bank commercial, um, and very little, if any other, descriptors in there, happy songs for a bank commercial. Um, I won't get in. There's more I could say, but I won't. Let's keep this show on track. Um, anyway, so, oh, I'm going to, here's an example of a listing that we didn't even let go out the door after it had been through this process. Um, yeah, sometimes we just go, you know what, this is not coming together. Let's hold this one back. We'll take another stab at it. Sometimes the directives that we get from the industry are so incredibly difficult to follow and give you guys a good result that we'll just scrap it all together or call up the party who asked us to run the listing and say, dude, you need to lock this down and give us something that's more clear than what you gave us. So this one was for a, a non-exclusive library. And it read, uh, comedic, mischie mischievous, urban, dramedy-style instrumental cues are needed by a very successful uh, non-exclusive music library that gets tons of placements in TV shows, films, and commercials. Okay, so far so good. Um, they're searching for mid to up-tempo instrumental cues that you could hear on some of the hottest reality shows today. Please listen to the references below to get an idea of what they need. 
So while I was proofing this thing, because um, I do proof and edit on virtually all the listings that go out the door, and I'm one of several people in the chain, uh, and trying to extricate myself from that process, honestly, so I can concentrate on bigger picture projects. Um, but you know how sometimes we'll have like the name of a show and we'll put a time span in there. Like in this case, it was a minute, five seconds to a minute and 18 seconds. So that you guys can go right to that part of the video on YouTube and go, oh, okay, so it's that kind of cue. There it is playing in the context of the show. Um, we bold those. Uh, in this case, the person who wrote the listing didn't bold any of them, so it wasn't a reason to reject it or hold it back, but that was a correction that we had to make. Please send them instrumental cues that would support a variety of mischievous and comedic scenes in urban-based reality TV shows. Imagine type of music, so the word the was missing. Caught that before it went out. Actually, it didn't go out. Um, let's see. Well, if... Uh, Let's see, It'll be playing while a fun, hip group of people is hanging out, cracking jokes, having some drinks, or perhaps someone talking dirt behind someone's back. So I wrote in to clarify perhaps when someone is talking dirt behind someone's back. And I think I actually changed talking dirt to talking smack. Made a little more sense. But then again, maybe I'm an old guy and use old guy language. Um, I think this one was probably an autofill. They don't mind what was meant to be mind, hearing orchestral strings over urban genres. Um, the word urban wasn't capitalized in this case, and we capitalize our genres to make them pop out a little bit more. We kind of treat them like pronouns, and we try to give them the respect with which uh, they should get. Um, blah, 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 blah. Dramedy style cues. We've grown accustomed, uh, meant accustomed to hearing. Um, so then I made a note. Wouldn't our members ask, why did you give me... Oh, feel. The point is being made in the listing that they this library, when we get this request a lot, we want something new. We want something fresh. We've got a bunch of this urban dramedy, but we need some new stuff. We need to breathe new life into our catalog because we've been pitching the same old crap for five years. So we want some new stuff. Well, the, that new stuff doesn't yet exist. So my staffer did the only thing you really could do, which is give examples of stuff that's currently out there in, in relatively current shows. Um, but I made a note, why do we give uh, examples? Because the members are going to ask the question, why did you give me examples of stuff that's not fresh and cutting edge? And you gave me examples of what they're trying to get away from, which is the same old status quo stuff. Well, how do you find new and cutting edge if it, if, if it doesn't yet exist? And how do you describe that, right? How do you describe to you folks, give us something new and different. Um, I, we can't sit down and write it for you. So you need to be familiar enough with the genre and the application and the context of the music, how it's used in the shows to be able to go, oh, okay. So urban dramedy, it's probably got like a hip hop feel. It's probably got pizzicato strings to it. What could I do so it still sounds like urban dramedy, but it sounds cooler and a little different, like 10 or 15% different than the other stuff that's in their catalog that's getting a little bit old and stale? Well, maybe you could do something like doing little Hammond B3 stabs that are, that, um, are in lockstep with the pizzicato strings. Um, maybe rather than using uh, marimba, doo -doo -doo, doing that, um, maybe you could find another sound. Maybe it could be uh, 
a muted horn part that's playing that. Who knows? But you don't know until you try. So we're trying to give you, you know, a chance to sit down and experiment. Um, oh, stuff that you always hear uh, going back to the copy and paste stuff. All submissions should be about two minutes in length. Um, solid edit points, button stinger endings. So that stuff, you know, we have to be careful because um, we do paste it in. We're not going to reinvent the wheel when it's the same old thing. But when we're pasting an entire paragraph like that in at the end, um, it may be that we use that same paragraph when that company was looking for Baroque instrumentals, um, which I believe would probably have like a harpsichord or something in it. Um, and now they're looking for hip hop. Or, you know what, let's say they're looking for um, rock instrumentals, like down and dirty, um, extreme sports rock instrumentals. Well, the Baroque music would have a non-faded ending. You could even call it a buttoned ending if it ended, let's say, back on the root note, right? Ding, ding, ding. Um, but for the rock thing, it would be non-faded, it would be buttoned, and it would probably also be a stinger, which in my vocabulary means it's a big ta-da ending which you wouldn't find in baroque but you would find in rock so all these little things are things that we have to consider moving on let's look at some other actual listings and see what you guys think um, so I'm just gonna read these and stop and talk about stuff as I'm going um, you guys with me so far? Is it making sense? Paying close attention to Michael. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, somebody who's actually listening versus talking about what kind of food they're having for dinner tonight. I'm telling you, you've got to pay close attention to this stuff. Electronic chill instrumentals, also known as chilltronica, are needed by a globally distributed music library. They're searching for instrumentals in all tempos that would fit well within the gen general stylistic ballpark. There you go, general stylistic ballpark of these references. And the references were Blank and Jones, Interstellar, the Mark George remix, um, Football Ahead by Fleming Flamingosis, um, Blank and Jones present Chiltronica number two. Give them well-crafted instrumentals, full length, not cues, a really important differentiator. I would say probably 80% of the instrumentals we run listings for are in fact cues, meaning that it has the form of a cue, like usually very little to short intros, almost all say A section, maybe a B section, 16 bars that's somewhere between halfway through and two thirds of the way through, kind of acts like a bridge a little bit, but not always. Um, so a cue has its own form, just like a pop song has a typical, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and out form. Cues have a form. An instrumental, yes, a cue is an instrumental, but an instrumental instrumental probably isn't structured like a cue, and I think it, to some degree, implies the fact that it sounds more like a record without a lead vocal in it, um, and probably without the lead vocal melody in it, but it's for a longer scenario, and a cue is usually not used in its entirety. Let's say a cue is 90 seconds to two minutes. Um, an instrumental might be two to four minutes. Um, a cue, they might use four and a half seconds for a particular quick cut scene. 
Whereas an instrumental, good example might be um, cocktail jazz. You need cocktail jazz, well, a cue would sound a little unusual playing in its entirety in the background of a bar scene. Um, you would go, oh, that doesn't sound like a cocktail jazz song um, or a cocktail jazz instrumental. That sounds somehow different because it's made like a cue. Whereas an instrumental is cocktail jazz that runs two to four minutes and it just feels differently because its form is different. So really important to know the difference between a cue and an instrumental. I should say an instrumental cue and an instrumental and watch for those things in the listings. And we'll do stuff like put in full length, not cues in parentheses. They use current sounding electronic elements slick grooves and contemporary sounds to create a chill laid back sound and vibe your submissions should have a unique beat with a cool with cool minimal melodies that set a groovy atmospheric mood please make sure your production sounds slick and polished and not dated and stiff okay so i'm going to if i'm a taxi member i'm looking for a good highlighter let's go with green can you make it one button cooler, please? I don't think it ever clicked on. I'm working up a head of steam over here. What's it on right now? Yeah, it shouldn't be on 80. That's for damn sure. It feels like Miami in here. Okay. Um, Okay, so um, here's the stuff that I'm going to pay attention to. If I'm a taxi member, what I'm going to do is sit down with the listing, probably print out the listing, and then go through and highlight the most salient points to make sure that I've nailed most of this stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to nail every little bit of it, just most of it, probably. So, uh, well-crafted instrumentals, full length, not cues. That's important. I'm going to highlight that. Uh, they use current sounding electronic elements. That's important. I'm going to highlight that. Slick grooves. That's important. Contemporary sounds to create a chill, laid back sound and vibe. That stuff is the meat of the listing right there. This whole paragraph that usually follows, because we do use a similar form for writing listings so that you guys can kind of follow along easily. Just like a movie has a beginning, middle, and an end. You know, an intro is set up and delivers the one-two punch. Same thing for songs. The taxi listings have a similar format. So you should, it goes on to say your submission should have a unique beat with cool, minimal melodies. Ooh, minimal melodies that set a groovy, atmospheric mood. I can practically hear a groovy, atmospheric mood. I can feel it, right? We can all feel it. And then you go back, what genre is it? Electronic chill instrumental. Okay, so electronic chill instrumental. Makes sense. It would have minimal melodies and a groovy atmospheric mood, right? Makes perfect sense to me. Please make sure your production sounds slick and polished. Well, duh. We didn't really need to say that, but you'd be shocked how many people would turn stuff in that sounds really raggedy and rustic and distorted and all kinds of other wrong stuff that doesn't go along with electronic chill instrumentals because we didn't spell it out for them. So for those people who don't know the genre all that well and may be willing to take a chance on creating something in that genre to maybe test their own capabilities or move into you know an area that they've not worked in before, 
Please make sure your production sounds slick and polished, not dated or stiff. Here's the most important thing about that paragraph, is now the screener who is sitting down to listen to your music is going to also make note of the fact that they're looking for well-crafted instrumentals, not cues, but full length. They use current sounding electronic elements, slick grooves, and contemporary sounds to create a chill, laid-back sound and vibe. Your submission should have a unique beat with cool, minimal melodies that set a groovy, atmospheric mood, blah, 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 and the screener goes, I got it. Okay. I know. So that's what we do. That paragraph, that's the money shot right there. And that's what you need to sit down. And, and after you've finished your piece, wouldn't it be a bad idea to go back and look at it and go, so does my piece sound more like a full-length instrumental than a cue? Is it arranged like that? Is it laid out in that form? Does it have current sounding electronic elements? Or does it sound like, you know, that Casio from 1992? Sorry, Casio. I'm sure you make, I know you make good products. Not putting you down. Just, I used to have a little miniature Casio and it sounded like Mario Brothers. Um, does it have slick grooves and contemporary sounds? And does it create a chill, laid back sound and vibe? So far, I'm, you know, batting a thousand going, yeah, it does. Um, does it have a unique beat? Well, you know what? Gotta say, my piece has a pretty standard beat. And I know these guys are trying to come up with something, um, you know, all libraries want something that's fresh. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to alter my beat. I'm going to keep, keep, you know, the, the guts of my beat the same. But I'm going to go in and add some little pieces of sugar and spice or salt and pepper or maybe take stuff out to make it just a little bit different and unique. Um, and does it set a groovy and atmospheric mood? Yay! Okay, so now that it's done all that stuff, I can feel pretty good about what I'm submitting. Um, then we reiterate, all submissions should be at least two minutes long. Um, Non-faded endings will work best for this pitch. That's a generic statement. Um, yeah, non-faded. Don't put a fade in there. Um, it could be considered a buttoned ending. Would you consider something that's chill and laid back to have a stinger ending? I wouldn't. That's my interpretation of what a sting ending is, so I wouldn't go there. Um, don't copy the reference music in any way, shape, or form. You know, we got to put that in there for legal purposes, but we also put it in there as a directive because we wouldn't want our music copied or ripped off or stolen. Um, use it only as a general guide for tempo, texture, tone, and vibe. That's a fair statement. So what about that? those references? Uh, what do they have in common? Are they all chill? Yes. Do they all have pretty contemporary modern sounding synth parts? Yes, they do. Um, do they have kind of a similar tempo range as my piece? Why, look at that. Yes. So those are all keys that, once again, reiterate and make sure that you are in the place that you need to be in while giving you a reminder it's not nice to steal from other people. Um, broadcast quality is needed. Great sounding home recordings are fine. Got to tell you, if you do your homework and research, you will find that broadcast quality was never used as a phrase for anything except video cameras back in the day. I had a dilemma on my hands because I was the person writing all the listings back in the day, really back in the day, um, and everything was pretty much records, um, master quality, studio quality. Um, we were making as an industry the transition from 
you know, uh, 24 track analog to um, digital stuff to Pro Tools. Um, and all of a sudden, these film and TV people showed up at our doorstep, doorstep and they wanted stuff that sounded pretty darn good, but it didn't have to sound like a Michael Jackson record. So we kind of fumpered around for a while, and finally I realized that I could co-opt the phrase broadcast quality from the video industry because that meant it was good enough to be broadcast, but if you played it for, you know, Bob Clearmountain, he'd probably snicker a little bit as he walked out of the room. An instrumental cue for a production music library, although libraries would love to have it sound like Bob Clearmountain mixed it, they don't really have to be that good. They just have to be reasonably clean with typically modern sounding elements unless the, the request is for something other than that. Um, and a well-balanced mix that doesn't sound goofy or have anything that jumps right out at you like, oh my gosh, look at all the you know reverb they drenched that guitar with. Who the hell thought of doing that? So if your mix is at a good level and sounds polished and well-balanced and like it's an appropriate instrument sounds mixed in an appropriate way for that particular kind of music, I'd call that broadcast quality, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Um, this library offers an exclusive, in all caps, exclusive 50-50 split. I would pay attention to that because you'd be shocked how many calls and emails we get from music libraries and publishers, just generally speaking, that say, I cannot believe this. I, you know, listen to the stuff you sent me. And I reached out and called for the people. And one of these yahoos called me back and said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to put my music, this piece of music, in an exclusive library. Then why did you spend five bucks and go to the trouble of submitting your piece of music for something that says exclusive in all caps? Sometimes we even say exclusive in the very first line of the listing, and then we repeat it again in all caps in the bottom of the listing and you would really be surprised how often I've personally gotten that call from library owners that go I'm not sure if it's worth my time or effort to run any more listings with Taxi because clearly these people aren't professional enough to know the difference between exclusive and non-exclusive and they're sending music in to me an exclusive library and then after I go to the trouble of listening to it, deciding I like it, reaching out to them, probably researching it uh, on ASCAP or BMI to make sure that it's available, um, and then find out they don't want to lock it up in an exclusive library. Why do they waste my time? And really, they walk out of there a little pissed off at us. I'm sure they're a little pissed off at the musician, but they get a little pissed off at Taxi. It's like, why are you bringing these people to our doorstep? So please pay attention to exclusive or non-exclusive. Um, something that we've recently changed in the listings is, uh, oh, uh, I'll get to that in a second. You must own or control your master and composition to submit for this pitch. Um, you can't send stuff in for other people because you don't legally own it or control it. Uh, well, I sang on it. Doesn't mean you own it and control it. You don't have the legal right to sign a piece of paper that says, I license you my music, or I am doing this publishing deal with you. You don't have the right to do that. So they want to know that you do, and they're going to check it out before they sign it. So that's why we're telling you in the listing that you must own or control your master and composition to submit. Um, please, this is a part that we changed recently. Please submit as many instrumentals as you'd like online or per CD. It used to say up to three. That was a hangover from when we used to get a lot of stuff on CDs, I think. I don't know, somewhere at some point, some of the listings said, please, you know, submit one to three things and just 
through generations of staff members, we didn't catch it. And we realized they can submit as many as they want, especially right now. We're running a ton of listings, ton of listings for new companies and new catalogs being created by people that are industry veterans that may have just sold another catalog uh, or their five-year non-compete just ran out and they can start another company. And they're turning to Taxi asking for a ton of stuff. So we're hoping that our members submit you know, three pieces, five pieces, 10 pieces. They would love to find somebody that makes great hip hop instrumental cues and say, can you give me 13 of those that are really good? They want that. So there you go. Okay, that's one down. I gotta pick up uh, my speed a little bit. Next one, fun, emotionally upbeat. Emotionally upbeat does not mean fast, like up-tempo. It means emotionally upbeat, like I'm happy. Are you happy? Good. Emotionally upbeat instrumental cues are needed for several $500 non-exclusive direct-to-supervisor placements in a new reality series. They're looking for mid to up-tempo instrumentals that could work well for reality TV shows in the general stylistic wheelhouse of these examples. And then um, we have Under Construction, episode number four, Treehouse Masters, and Zombie House Flipping. I have not even heard of that show. Bet people are dying to get into those homes. Um, zombie House Flipping. And we give, again, we give times. Go listen from here to there, there to there, blah, blah, blah. Send them emotionally upbeat. So we repeated that again because it's really important. So if I'm the taxi member that's trying to interpret this listing, I'm going to highlight emotionally upbeat instrumental cues that deliver positive, fun vibe and sound like what you typically hear in a home fixing show. I guess we could have been more eloquent about that. Um, home fixing show. <laughs> Structure your cue around a central melodic theme. You'll hear this all the time because we're trying to give you some instruction, almost an education built into the listing. Um, structure your cue around a central melodic theme while adding and subtracting instrumentation as it progresses, progresses to give it some dynamics and forward momentum. They don't want something, generally speaking, about 90-some percent of the time, they want a cue that feels like it's going somewhere. It doesn't mean that it has to get faster doesn't necessarily mean that it's got to get bigger um, because it's got to stay somewhat in the same ballpark but it's also got to have a sense of there's a horizon out there and I'm going over the horizon and I'm getting to an end point and in some genres the end point means that it's bigger Boom. <laughs> it's bigger it's ta-da it ends with a stinger in other cases going back to Baroque um, it's gonna not end on a stinger um, so you have to think about the arc. A Baroque piece would be very stuffy, nose in the air, harpsichordy. It wouldn't necessarily get bigger or have an arc to it, um, but you have to find a way to make it at least be a little bit interesting as it moves along. So it could be that maybe you inner, maybe you, uh, what do they call it when you jump up an octave, um, modulate. Maybe you modulate for the middle 16. Um, maybe you add in, um, you double the bass notes with your left hand on the old harpsichord. Um, you know, there are things you can do. How are you going to figure those things out? By listening to what the examples do and go, okay, now that I understand 
the examples and the type of thing I'm looking for, I'm going to go watch other episodes of Treehouse Masters or Zombie House Flipping or Under Construction and see if I can find other cues in that same genre and look and see if there's anything that those composers figured out that made them appealing enough to the library to sign them and appealing enough to the editor who was picking the music to grab it out of a list of probably, you know, thousands of songs that are in a bucket that they're going to use to slug into that show. Um, let's see. Uh, please avoid anything that sounds busy or overly frenetic, um, as it could distract from a scene's dialogue. Well, yeah, if you're having an intimate conversation in a very serious part of the reality show, and you've got some romantic solo piano going on in the background um, of the restaurant. There's this very serious but romantic conversations happening, deciding are we going to get married or are we not? Maybe we're going to break up instead of getting married. But if the piano player is like, hey, mom, look at me. I got a piece of music in the show. Wow, that's amazing. If you're going to pay attention to the piano player, you've just blown the scene, blown the story, blown what the actors are doing. And your piece of music isn't going to work when the editor tries it in the scene, so you're not going to make it into the show. Um, apply the kiss the kiss methodology. Keep it simple, stupid. Not that you're stupid, but you get what I'm saying. Um, you're always better off going for simple over complicated. They are never, almost never, I hate to say never, but they're almost never looking for some big uh, piece of music and they go, Wow, that's the most brilliant composer I've ever heard in my life. They don't care about you. They don't care what a brilliant composer you are. Maybe if you're trying to score a Spielberg movie, that would matter. For reality show instrumental cues, they're not looking for brilliant. The brilliance is actually in being able to create a mood, enhance a mood, and stay out of the way of the storyline and the dialogue while you're doing it. So there you go. Again, that paragraph that follows the three examples is the money shot right there. Then we go into things that we sometimes call taxi tips. We would recommend using mostly organic sounding instrumental instrumentation. So remember, this was fun, emotionally upbeat instrumental cues. Um, and I think that we probably listened to the um, examples. And now one of them may have a little more electronic stuff than the other stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are all wholly and entirely instrumental, but we recommend go using mostly organic sounding instrumentation. Mostly. It doesn't say entirely. It says mostly. But people will read that and the interpretation we'll get from a grumpy member who wants to throw that thing at us. They'll say, well, it said that we had to use, had to use organic sounding instrumentation. It said, no, mostly. That's a key word. Some dashes. We even go on to elaborate to give you guys every possible break we can in describing this music. Some dashes of electronic instrumentation could work, but the references seem to indicate that acoustic slash live instrumentation would be preferred. Really? Could we be any more descriptive? Should we drive it over to your house, get out of the car, walk up to your front door, and just play it for you? We're doing everything we can. All submissions should be a uh, at about a minute 30 long, give or take. We started inserting give or take about a year or two ago, give or take, because people were like, oh my gosh, my piece is two minutes and one second long. Can I still submit it? Well, of course you can. And then we had a knucklehead screener that came along 
and was actually rejecting some stuff based on the fact that it was two minutes and one second long when the listing said they were looking for stuff that was two minutes. So as soon as we found out that was happening, we called the screeners all into a room and I think we sent out an email and said, bad screeners, bad screeners, if it says two minutes and they submit something that's two minutes and 14 seconds, really? If the piece of music is good enough that it should be forwarded and it's on target in, the, uh, in every other aspect, and it's 14 seconds too long. Now, if it were for a TV commercial, that's a 30 second commercial and they're asking for music that's 29 and a half seconds long, yeah, then it's a hard 29 and a half. But generally speaking, for instrumentals and instrumental cues in production music libraries, it's ballparkish. Ballparkish, I love the way I said that. That was my ode to Rob Shirelli right there. If he said ballparkish, he would have said it like that. Um, Okay, um, going back to that paragraph. So this is the paragraph following the taxi tip. All submissions should be about a minute 30 long, give or take, parenthetically, with non-faded button endings. Do not copy the reference music in any way, shape, or form. Use it only as a guide for texture, tone, and vibe. Broadcast quality is needed. Great sounding home recordings are fine. Um, then we repeat the estimated license for... And we always say estimated because sometimes it could change a little bit. Um, so just for being careful, we don't want to say it will absolutely be $500 because it could end up being that they only um, use your cue for 12 seconds. And they say, you know what, we only use it for 12 seconds, we're going to pay you $350 for this one. Whereas somebody who got used for a minute and 12 seconds might get the whole $500. So we're giving the companies or the music supervisors a little leeway by saying the estimated fee for this placement is up to, in parentheses, $500, depending on the ultimate placement. I mean, really, how much more thorough could we be? This is a non-exclusive, direct-to-music supervisor placement, so you'll keep 100% ownership of your copyright and master recording. Plus, you'll also get 100% of the master license fee and any applicable performance royalties. Applicable meaning if it were, let's say if this listing were for a film that's going to be shown theatrically in America, the performance royalty wouldn't be played or paid. If it were somewhere in Europe or maybe Asia, the performance royalties, I believe, in those countries are paid for theatrical plays, performances. So that's why we put applicable. It could be that your song goes into a movie that is in theatrical release only right now, but three years from now, it's on Showtime. When it's on Showtime, you're going to get paid the performance royalties. So we think all this stuff through and include it in the language. Man, I really like us. Um, you must own or control your copyright and master recording to pitch for this opportunity. Please submit as many instrumental cues as you'd like, online or per CD. All submissions will be screened on a yes-no basis, short critiques only. Submissions must be received no later than blah, blah, blah. Okay, where's my use pile? Right there. Okay, moving on. Um, I'm going to give you guys a chance to answer some questions when we get down to the bottom of the show, I promise. Are you guys paying attention? Are you paying attention, damn it? Uh, okay, contemporary trap instrumental cues. Uh, I've already done one like that. Uh, attention instrumental cues. Um, okay, this one's a little different. Uh, investigative. Investigative, if you're from Illinois. Investigative attention instrumental cues. 
are needed quickly. And obviously, we do dashes between every word or every letter in the word quickly. <laughs> you are paying attention. Thank you, guys. Because um, we want you to notice that it's quickly. That's our way of like smacking you in the face going, hey, look at this one right now by a very busy non-exclusive music library that's building new playlists for TV promos on two popular cable networks. They're looking for mid to up tempo instrumental cues in the general stylistic ballpark, there's that word again, of these references, but not limited to. That's an important phrase. When we say not limited to, it, it means, okay, so we've got these three examples, but they're not looking for stuff that's just like those examples, so don't limit yourself to just those. Think about, hmm, if I heard that piece of music, what other pieces of music might work in context with that? So pay attention to the fine details, folks. Um, so the show's Scandal, um, and there's a timeline of zero up to a minute and 23 seconds. CSI Miami, um, minute 17 to 247, so it's a pretty long stretch. Um, regular CSI, uh, wow, two minutes and 16 seconds worth of music used in that one, uh, of AQ. Uh, no, typically would, we would send this type of listing out to our taxi dispatch members. Um, taxi dispatch is our quick turnaround thing that's morphed a little over the years. Because our clients need a lot of material in a very short period of time, we decided to send this request out to all of our members to make sure we could find this company enough great material in the time frame they need it. They were in a crunch. They needed to build those playlists quickly and get it over to those networks for the promos. Um, they had a short timeline, and we knew that if we sent it out to our dispatch members, which is only about 10% of our membership, we might not, we probably wouldn't get enough good stuff just because it's a smaller group of people. So we put that one out to our bigger list, which is considerably bigger. But we were nice guys and told the dispatch members, hey, there's a reason this one didn't go exclusively to you guys. Please submit. Here's the money part. Please submit well-crafted cues that would help support suspenseful investigative scenes in, a, in TV AT, in TV promos. There's an S missing. TV promos for shows that are, wait for it, suspenseful investigative TV shows. Build your cues around, well, and let's think about that. Scandal, CSI Miami, and CSI. Yep, investigative and suspenseful they are. Um... Build your cues around a sem simple, central, tension-inducing melody that will sit easily behind a scene's dialogue or, in some cases, voiceovers in the promos while adding elements as it progresses to create uh, dynamics and a sense of forward movement. Short intros are advised for these, but not absolutely necessary. Why is it not absolutely necessary? Because if they hear your piece and go, that would just kick butt in my promo, and your intro's twice as long as what they want it to be, or maybe they don't want that intro at all, they'll chop it out. If they can't easily chop it out, they're not going to spend four hours trying to edit your piece. They're just going to go to another piece. But if they can make the edit in about 30 seconds or less, they don't care if it's twice as long as it should be. But to make yourself more instantly desirable, just give them shorter intros. Um, your submission should be at least 90 seconds long. Non-faded button slash stinger endings will work best. Please don't copy the reference examples in any way, shape, or form. Use them only as a general guide. So that's all copy and paste stuff. Um, and then on to the deal stuff. So I'm not going to keep repeating the um, that stuff. I'm going to go. I want to get through more of these, so I'm going to go for the money sections to see what you guys 
should be paying attention to. Ooh, here's one that I like. One of my favorite genres. Swampy instrumental cues are needed by a very successful music library with a super long list of great placements in film and TV. By the way, we do try and telegraph to you guys. Um, if a library is particularly desirable, we'll use little hints, um, sometimes bigger hints, but we put stuff in those sentences. When we say super long list of great placements, we're not exaggerating that. If they have a super long list of great placements, we'll tell you that. Um, it might say um, a well-regarded music library. Well, okay, it might be, you know, a few years old. They haven't gotten a ton of placements, but they're well-regarded. Fair statement. Um, but there's a difference between well-regarded and a library that's got a super long list of great placements. So if I'm a taxi member and I'm debating, do I submit to this one or do I submit to that one? And I feel like I've got music that would work in either of them. I might have to make a decision. Do I want to go with the, you know, library that's well thought of? Sounds like it might be a little smaller, maybe a little newer, therefore might be more prone to looking for new music to sign. So I might have a better chance there. Or do I go for the library that's got the super long list of great placements, which could be a much larger catalog. Maybe I'd get less attention, but then again, maybe they might get me more placements because they're really good at what they do because they've been doing it for a long time. So watch for those subtle little hints. Um, they're looking for mid to up-tempo instrumental cues that are in the general stylistic ballpark of the references below. And we reference Swamp People, um, Swamp Blues, Slide Bottleneck, um, Mean Old Thing by Andrew Kubazuski. Um, please submit swampy instrumental cues, and we should have capitalized swampy in that one because genres are always capitalized to make them important. Swampy instrumental cues with traditional instrumentation and a backcountry, and we put that in quotes. We weren't quoting anything. We just wanted that word to pop out. Backcountry. What does backcountry sound like? Vibe and style. Stick with one central melodic motif from beginning to end. You hear that all the time because they don't want you to score a bunch of emotions because it's just one scene. While layering instrumentation in and out to create dynamics and forward momentum as your cue progresses. We say that all the time because it's the truth all the time. Please avoid any parts or sounds that are overly frenetic or busy as they could distract from a scene's dialogue. Plea, or be sure to avoid any material that's stiff, synthetic, and obviously MIDI-driven. You would be shocked how many people will send in uh, a piece that's clearly done all in computer. Um, they didn't even bother to fake it very well, and they send in stuff that's got like a sampled banjo and not a very good one, a sampled slide guitar and not a very good one, and some sort of really ancient drum machine, you know, doing like, I don't know, hands on a cajon ostensibly and it just sounds really stiff and of poor quality and anybody who has any experience at all would listen to it and in three seconds literally three seconds go that's out so we're trying to give you a heads up be sure to avoid any material that's stiff synthetic or obviously midi driven now the gentleman that wrote the letter that caused this episode to happen today steve nicell said he wasn't really clear on the synthy part but in context, you know, it, it makes sense. <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, right? I hope it does. Um, all submissions should be about a minute 30 in length, give or take, with non-faded buttoned endings. Notice it doesn't say stinger. Why? Because 
who would have swampy instrumental music that would have like a big ta-da ending? You could, but most of it wouldn't. So we go with the greater odds. Okay, moving on to let's read a listing from a major label. These are different. It's a different, it's a horse of a different color. Current sounding adult contemporary slash pop. Contemporary adult AC pop, in other words. Adult contemporary slash pop artists with male or female vocals um, are needed by a music industry veteran who just launched a new independent record label funded by a huge company we all know and in conjunction with a major ad agency. So we thought that was pretty cool when they reached out to us. Here's an ad agency working in conjunction with a newly formed record label that was put together by a music industry veteran and funded by some pretty important companies. So that to me, as Michael Lasko, owner of Taxi and the person who's proofing this listing, I'm going, I'd want to submit to that. Why? Because if you've got a record label that's working in conjunction with an ad agency, what does that tell you? I'm going to wait and see if that pops up um, in the chat room. Ad agency and record label. The marriage thereof. What does that mean for you? Dun, 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 Uh, no, more money. Ads and artists. Yes, you guys get it. Exactly. So they're putting together a record label that's also going to be advertising centric. Duh. I kind of want my music in that catalog. Um, okay, quoting our source, the company is funded by, and we used a bunch of asterisks, because um, we couldn't tell you. Artists retain majority of their rights. A lot of times, by the way, when we quote these companies, we have to wrestle between, do we change their quote because they don't sound like they got the English language all that right, or do we fix it up? So sometimes it's a combination of both. Uh, artists retain majority of their rights based on whatever deal that's structured. Blankety blank of blank is a marketing guru and is giving independent artists another platform to get music out without having to go the traditional label route. Because they are an ad agency, marketing opportunities will be huge. This is coming to us from the person who's running the listing. The marketing strategies for their artists will be developed via the ad agency who works with several major brands like Sprite, Budweiser, Apple, to name a few. Ultimately, he will be looking for artists in a variety of genres. They have several Super Bowl ad campaigns currently in production. So, I mean, come on. I think it sounds like a great opportunity. Please submit well-structured songs with captivating melodies. That's a word we like, captivating. Expertly crafted lyrics in a radio-ready chorus. Pretty obvious what that sounds like, right? Um, your over overall instrumentation slash production can vary, but should be somewhat stylistically consistent with the references above. And the references were Rolling in the Deep by Adele, Stay With Me by Sam Smith, and Try by Pink. Um, so yeah, you listen to those and you might go, oh, um, you know, Try's a little different from uh, Stay With Me. Well, it's a range, you know. It uh, would appeal to the fans of artists like. So if you like those three, if you were having a birthday party at your house, and you put together a playlist for your guests and Rolling in the Deep, Stay With Me, and Try We're All On It, would the song that you've 
submitted or want to submit also fit on that list? If it would, then send that sucker in. Um, having a compelling vocal performance that has a strong and confident delivery should help your song stand out for this pitch. It's heartbreaking to us sometimes when we have to return something where the song is an A, maybe even an A+. The recording, the production, everything about it is really good, but the vocal is just not right for the song. There are times, by the way, where we will forward something with a pitchy vocal. If it's a Tom Waits kind of song that's got a little rust on it, you know, a little distortion, a little bit of like, uh, I'm hung over, and it's supposed to be that way, um, it doesn't have to be perfectly dead nuts on for pitch. It can be a little off and probably even work better. But for something like this, it's got to have a vocal that sells it to the listeners, to anybody else that wants to use it. So even though you're, um, let's say, uh, well, it's actually asking for artists in this case. Um, but sometimes we run listings where they're looking for songs. And even for songs, they want a vocal. They don't want to have to go, oh, the song's really good, but the vocal's underwhelming. They shouldn't even have to have that thought. So there you go. Vocals do matter. Um, but sometimes I've heard really poorly sung vocals by the person who wrote the song, and their soul is so intertwined with the meaning of the song that it still carries it. So it can work. Um, you have to know if it is or it isn't, and that's tough because it's you know like looking in a mirror and subjectively judging your own face. Um, uh, again, because this is a record label, please be sure to include any touring, fan base, sales, streaming, impressive social media figures you have in your bio. We even include this because we know this would be the case, and you'll see this in a lot of our listings. If you're an artist or a band that's just starting out and don't have much of a story or track record yet, but you do have an amazing sound and the songs to back it up, they'll still want to hear you. How do I know that? Because my 40-some years of experience in the record industry tells me there's not an office I couldn't walk into at any level at a record company and say, I've got, I just found an act that's brand new. They're like 30 days old. Nobody knows they exist. There's no touring. There's no following. There's no social media. They got bupkis. But what they do have is an amazingly unique yet commercial sound and three hit songs. There's not a person alive in this industry that won't say, lay that on me. So just know that um, you could have B plus or A minus material and a big following and um, a big a fan base of following, a big social media footprint, and all kinds of other sexy stuff. And that will help you if you're B plus or A minus. It will push you up. They will actually consider you because a certain percentage of the world is raising its collective hand and saying, we like them. We like it. We like that thing. Um, it will help you. But three hit songs and an amazingly unique and incredibly good sound is a sure winner every time. And you're thinking, well, I've submitted my stuff to record companies and it was amazingly unique and wonderful on all levels and it was a sure winner. Don't ask your mother. She doesn't know. Okay? She really doesn't. She loves you and she's doing all the good stuff that a mom should do. But when you, even with the experience that I've had over 40 some years, I will admit it. Every time I go to a record company, even with them meeting, I'm meeting with an A&R weasel that's half my age and only been in the job for five years, I still get sweaty armpits. Why? Because you're just in this room and you're being judged, and I know exactly how you guys feel when you make a submission to Taxi, because I've been in that chair. I've sent stuff in that I produced back in the day, wondering, you know, would this 
act that just got signed to a label and, and has approached me about producing their record and they want me to send recent stuff that I've done. Being judge is not fun, but that's how you win the beauty contest is by putting yourself out there. Um, let's see. Oh, this one's really important. Okay. This is, everybody stop the chit-chat, please, and pay really close attention to this listing. Um, okay. I've got a friend who I've known in the industry for probably 20 plus years. Um, I can't say that we hang out and watch the Super Bowl together. We've been out to dinner a couple times. I've been to his office. Maybe he's been to mine. But there's a warm mutual respect between us. Um, he rarely, he sold his company years ago and I think got enough money out of the deal that he doesn't need to work. But he's now producing the occasional film and who knows what else. And he emailed me or called and said, I'm the executive producer of a well-funded um, indie film that was a, um, a sports documentary. And we've got the song Orange Sky by Lexi Murdoch tempt in and we're just not able to make a deal. It's a classic case of they fell in love with something and was tempt in and on their relatively small budget, it's big for an indie film, um, big for a sports doc, but um, they didn't have five or ten or twenty thousand dollars to spend on the song and sadly they just couldn't get that one. But they also didn't want to give a directive to clone it or rip it off. Um, I know this guy wouldn't do that because he's not that kind of person and yeah, he just wouldn't do it. So they reached out to us and we wrote this listing that said, down tempo reflective singer songwriter songs with male vocals are urgently needed for a thousand dollar non-exclusive direct to supervisor opening theme song in a sports document, opening theme song slot in a sports documentary that's already been sold to Hulu and will also be available on iTunes, Amazon, etc. They need a replacement for the song reference below, but they're not looking for clones or soundalikes. What they do need is something that's close in tempo with a similar pocket, and we put that in quotes because we wanted to push that. It was about the feel. The film was edited. The scene was already etched in stone, so they needed something that was in a pocket. What's a pocket? It's a combination of tempo and feel and kind of the depth of the feel. Something doesn't have a lot of pocket doesn't dig deep. Something that does have a lot of pocket digs deep. So there you go. That's, that's subjective, but you should know what that is if you're pitching to stuff like this. Um, they do not need something that's or what they do need is something that's close in tempo with a similar pocket, emotion, and overall vibe. Um, then we had uh, the Alexi Murdoch song. Um, then after it says, the documentary opens with the film's protagonist heading to a small town cemetery where he visits his father's grave. So we gave you a visual. We can't do that very often. Um, we can't send out the video because the film hasn't been, even if it was just a scene, they don't want to send that video out to thousands of people. But we were given permission to tell you what's going on. He lost his dad. The protagonist lost his dad when he was just 10 years old and regrets that he wasn't strong enough to have a meaningful final conversation with his father before his dad passed away. He goes on to accomplish some pretty incredible stuff uh, in his athletic career, but sadly his dad wasn't around to see it. The song needs to be reflective, key word, reflective, but do not try to tell the whole story. 
the picture slash video does that. Your job is to create a song and a lyric that underscores the emotions the young man feels as he visits his dad's final resting place. We can all relate to that, right? Um, well, maybe you've been through that, maybe you haven't, but you can certainly imagine what it's like to be standing over the grave of a parent. Um, we did a little spitballing, and here are some possible concepts we came up with. Nobody else in the industry would do this for you, but we would. I personally wrote this, and i got to tell you, I spent a good two hours just on putting together this little section of this listing. Um, feel free to use these ideas, or even better, come up with something that beats them. Um, and the ideas were, um, uh, this uh, a lyric and a song that underscores the emotions the young man would feel, not a day goes by, um, ellipsis, uh, things I wish I'd said, fathers and sons, just one last thing, wish you could see, if I could talk to you so many times, I wish I had the strength, Time didn't heal this wound. I wish you were here. I hope you can see. Feels like you're watching over me. And the emotions, of course, would be bittersweet slash pride and sorrow, regret, loss, sorrow again, and loneliness. So you were given a pretty healthy roadmap for this one. Once again, don't try to write the film's story. It's already done. They won't be able to use literal lyrics like, Dad, I wish, I, uh, wish you could see all that I've accomplished. That's a little too detailed. But if you had a song that said, not a day goes by, and stays general, and conveys the emotions a young man might feel in this situation, you might be onto something. A simple acoustic guitar-based approach with minimal accompaniment feels like the right way to go for this. An intimately recorded vocal with a delivery that supports the bittersweet emotions uh, that this young man must feel could serve you well. No demos, please. Genre-appropriate broadcast quality genre appropriate broadcast quality that's an indicator that it's not really slick it's simple you know down and dirty singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar this could have been recorded into the built-in microphone in my mac laptop from three feet away could have been this was all about does this rip your heart out of your chest and throw it into the grave that, that young man is looking in with his father there if it does that emotionally Nobody really gives a rat's ass if the acoustic guitar was recorded pristinely. They just don't care what 10K sounds like on an equalizer. They don't care about anything other than the emotion for the scene. So I'm not going to get into the, the fine points of, of the deal. It was $1,000 for the placement. I do want you to know that I'm not going to make an official announcement yet, but a taxi member was ultimately picked and ended up getting the deal for this. Um, and he did an amazing job, amazing job, of taking what was written on the, in this listing and synthesizing something that I personally think was an even better fit than Alexi Murdoch's song, Orange Sky. Sorry, Alexi, but our member kicked your butt. Um, hey, your song was really good. It was. Um, but this guy either had this song already laying around and went, wow, I've got something that's a great fit. Maybe he created, I don't know. All I can tell you is when we heard it here at the office, we all went, holy crap. It really doesn't get any better than that. And we knew absolutely when we sent it off that we'd be getting the phone call. And sure enough, we got the phone call. So um, I know the paperwork has been signed, but I have also seen situations where the license has been signed and the scene got changed or something happened that it fell out. 
So once I know that this thing is a done deal and etched in stone, then I'll let you guys know. I wish it was for a hundred grand. It wasn't for a lot of money, but it was a real story of triumph for this taxi member. So I'm very proud of him. Very happy that we took the time to craft that listing really well. All right, it's 5.30. I want to answer some questions from you folks about how to interpret listings. So let's run a little bit long. I'm not going to read any more of these. I think you've got the idea. I hope I did a good job of telling you. Um, so hit me with your best shot. Oh, Bria wrote some down. So while well, you guys are coming up with new stuff, which I see is happening already, Mark Himley asks, are you upset with members when a library reaches out after some time, several months or more, and the song or cue is no longer available? No, not at all. Um, Mark, look, you can't sit there and wait forever. Um, come on, if you proposed marriage to the love of your life and she wouldn't give you an answer and strung you along, and six months later you meet somebody else, um, it's the way the cookie crumbles. They should have acted more quickly. Um, do your thing. Good question, Mark. Uh, Gloria Covington says, what approach would you use when there are no, who, who? Well, I have it right here. Uh, uh, I've got, uh, use, Gloria says, what approach would you use when there are no real similarities between the first ref song as compared to the second and third? Only similarity was the use of the guitar, which was not stated. Um, honestly, without hearing those, it's, t I can only guess, Gloria, but I would say um, go with the two. If the two, you know, look, sometimes we have stuff that makes it in there. Sometimes we get the, the references from the company and we sit there scratching our heads going, what the hell are you talking about? And, and you know, sometimes we'll reach back out to them and go, are you sure? And I'm sure. Okay, so we got to leave it in there. But go with um, the two. Go with the majority rules, okay? Um, can you expound on the client that specifically asked for period auto audio recordings instead of recent recordings? Absolutely, PDP. Um, there are a ton of shows out there that either take place in a different time period. Back in the day, could be the 1990s, could be the 1960s, could be turn of the century, 1904. Uh, and they want music. That might be a tough one. 1904 is pushing the boundaries, but I'd say uh, most of the time the requests we get are for the 40s up into the 90s. Uh, they want music. We've played it at the Red Rally. When you hear music that was actually written and recorded back in that time period, even if it's a pretty piss poor recording, uh, it could be a demo, but you go, you immediately are taken back to that time period because of the sound of stuff. It just sounded different. So at the Road Rally several years ago, we had Jeff Reinlich, who was probably the world's greatest expert on being able to detect stuff that was made to sound old and stuff that is old. And we played stuff, he could pick it every time. Um, and, and the audience could hear the difference. Immediately they could hear the difference, even with stuff that was so expertly crafted to sound old. So they just know it's become a thing in the industry. And frankly, we have so many of our members that get placements. My favorite story, of course, is Peter Sivo Sr., who's got to be 93, 94 years old. I just got another fantastic email from him the other day um, telling us how much he loves Taxi because we changed the guy's life. 
He went for 70 years with his music sitting on a shelf, not seeing the light of day. And because of a listing we ran and him getting forwarded and him signing a publishing deal, he now gets his music placed all the time, has made some really good money from it. More than anything, he's so proud to have it and so pleased to have his music out there where millions of people are hearing it. So there's a, I can't say enough good stuff about those listings um, for old stuff. I hope that answers your question. Um, uh, oh man, I got to scroll down. All right, uh, go ahead, give me one, please. Um, any producers? Oh, on? just hand it to me. Okay, sorry, I'm writing. Yeah, they're they're me. off. Oh, you're off mic. They won't hear it really well. Um, any producers out there who know how to follow these types of descriptions and can hit it? Um, I don't actually like that question because I don't think that this is. I think this gentleman's looking for somebody to collaborate with. I think that's how I'm interpreting this. So I don't know that answering that. I, I can't answer it because I'm not the person he's looking for. Um, Okay, uh, what do you do when the taxi screeners have diversely opposed opinions in a span of three months regarding the melody and a rhythm for a forward? Um, Stephen, if you and I go to a car dealership today and we both look at the same car and I like the color and the lines, the body style of the car, and you don't, that's just our personal taste. The taxi screeners are applying not their personal taste, but their taste as it applies to that specific listing in that moment. So while one, while your thing, melody and rhythmically could be great for one thing, and they're looking at it through that lens, that same piece of music, and sometimes we run into this where a piece of music has actually earned somebody money. Hey, somebody liked it, signed it, and it's made me money. Yeah, but it's not right for what this company is looking for at this time for this other thing. So that's my best guess on that is that it's looking through a different lens, different context at a different time. And yes, is it possible that two people just don't line up on both liking the exact same thing about the exact same piece of music? Absolutely. But again, their subjectivity is not about what they personally like or don't like. It's what they think works for the listing request or does not. Um, okay, if we could find new old stock, oh, if we could find new old stock quarter inch recording tape, would that qualify as appropriate vintage sound on new style music? No. They literally want stuff. Um, sure, it could help the sound, um, but they literally want stuff. They look, this company, one company in particular, will not sign a piece of music unless they're looking at the copyright registration form that shows that it was recorded in 1965, let's say. Um, because just because it sounds old doesn't mean that it's got all the other things that, that make it sound old. Um, just things that you wouldn't even necessarily think of, like the intervals. Um, popular melodic intervals back then 
are probably not what's being used now. Um, snare drum sounds have changed, kick drum sounds have changed, the instruments, um, pickups that were used on guitars back then. So yeah, you could go to the trouble, and I've seen people do it where they've taken all vintage instruments that have exactly mimicked the type and age of specific instruments on somebody else's old recording and tried to mimic it in every possible way and it still just doesn't sound the same. Some of it is the production style, the writing style. Um, you know, you'll see a lot of taxi listings that ask for fresh melodies. I'm not so sure I could do it, but even in country music, man, country people from Nashville are always asking us for fresh melodies. They want to hear something that they haven't heard melodically a thousand other times. So, yeah, there's something to be said for fresh. Let's go with that pad. It's a little easier to read against the light background. Sorry. Um, is it okay to ask a library to consider music they don't typically sign if you have an established relationship with them? It's not really apropos to this episode, but my opinion on that is um, if go with what they you know what you're not doing you or them any favors by even if they're nice and they don't want to piss you off and they want you to keep submitting music to them because you're really good at hip-hop let's say and let's say you you pitch them some rock stuff but they don't do a lot of rock you don't want your music in that library uh, if they if they're not asking for it they probably don't have a lot of outlet for it there are times that we forward music from taxi members that will make it through the screeners and goes to a library and the library never reaches out to them and um, it's because they don't need that particular style of rock they may have asked for rock and we ran a listing for rock and we really liked this members piece for that listing and we forwarded it to them but when the library owner or the music decider heard it, he or she thought to him or herself, that's a really cool piece of music. We just don't have any clients that would use that type of rock. So why should we go to the trouble of signing it uh, when we should expend the same amount of time on signing something that we think we can make money from? Fair enough, actually. Um, what if a vintage song was written in the 60s but not copyrighted until now? If it was written in the 60s and recorded in the 60s, maybe that would get by. Maybe. Can't make any promises. Thank you. Um, is Mason Cooper coming to the 2018 Road Rally? Uh, he's been invited and i would say good chance he'll be there i mean i can't ever make a promise but yes um you know he could end up being on a big film or tv show or a project with an intense deadline you'd be shocked how many people want to come to the road rally but because of their work schedules can't commit um L. Harrison says, I can't use my band recordings from the late 80s because the band was full of wannabe Mick Jaggers. Absolutely you could. Don't let that slow you down. If I write a song in the lyrics and have a friend sing it for me, do I still own the copyright? Yes. 
um, your friend is only singing and should sign a um, work for hire, meaning I sang the song, I got paid to sing the song, and I hold, I have no other ownership in any way, shape, or form. It's a simple, like, three-sentence little thing. You can find it online. It's called a work for hire agreement. Um, let's do one or two more sentences, or one or two more questions, and then we're done. So... We can, Dan Weber says, we can see the sausage is made with hard work at Taxi. Great inside info for interpreting listings. I learned a lot. Thank you for another great episode. You're welcome, Dan. Yeah, you know, I don't, don't want to complain, but people often say, oh, I didn't understand the listing. And I'm sure it's not a perfect world. And there is a lot of interpretation uh, that starts with the person who's running the listing with us. They have to interpret what they think maybe the executive producer is asking for or what he or she as the music supervisor thinks the scene needs or the music library owner knowing that this is a popular genre but not really understanding the nuances of that genre. There's so many things that can go wrong before it ever gets to one of our computers or a telephone around here. And then we have to start over for... Um, making sure that their interpretation is good and making sure remember we're not writing listings just for you we're writing the listings for the screeners so that they are looking at it the same way you are people often ask do the screeners have inside information that we don't know they don't they know what's on the paper they will sometimes walk into the A&R office and say hey by the way um, you know do you know if this or that blah 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 we don't know because we've already picked the brain of the person running the listing probably to the point where we've made them not like us. Um, can I explain exclusive and non-exclusive? Um, best thing you could do because I don't want, this isn't really apropos of this, um, go to taxi.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and look for music industry glossary, which is probably under resources and exclusive and non-exclusive are in the music industry glossary and by the way we just put that up like a week ago so I'll link it in the, in the oh chat. great Bree is going to link it in the chat um, uh, Linda Collum says I find listing descriptions and samples are very informative and a great guide and just do it yep if you're overthinking it to the point of, of spending hours as that gentleman said at the beginning of the show uh, you know where it spends hours thinking about it I feel bad for them. I really do. I understand it, but I don't want anybody to have to work that hard at interpreting a listing. Um, you're better off just shooting from an educated hip. <laughs> There's a phrase that's never been used before. In the history of mankind, nobody has ever said an educated hip. Maybe educated hipster. But shoot, you know, give it an educated shoot from the hip and, and take your shot for the five bucks. Um, but just read that listing underneath the uh, references really well and take the time to highlight the stuff and then go back and you know what here's a really good thing you can do is take the listing with the highlighted section and take your piece of music before you submit it and first of all put it up in the peer-to-peer -peer section of the taxi forum at forums.taxi.com forums with an s.taxi.com peer-to-peer section 
our members are the friendliest, most helpful group of people you will find anywhere on the internet in the music industry, unlike other places where they go, dude, your song sucks. You don't have to worry about that. The taxi members that are also on the forum will listen to it. Some of them may not nail it, but the majority of them will. So it's a great way to crowdsource and find out, is my thing on the money for that listing? And also play it for your friends or family, uh, even though I always say don't ask friends and family for their opinions because they love you too much. You can ask them in the context of giving them a listing with the, the attributes of the listing, the descriptors highlighted, and ask them, does my thing meet those benchmarks for those descriptions? So there you go. Um, all right, I'm going to run because we are now an hour and 45 minutes into this episode. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching us, paying attention. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing for next week's show. Um, I really want to get Rob Shirelli back, but he's been super busy lately. And I know for him to come and spend, you know, half an hour getting here, an hour and a half for the show, half an hour getting back, it's tough for him, even though he really wants to be on the show. So I will do my best to get him. Meanwhile, if you guys want to go onto our Facebook page and in the um, comment area post um, other ideas for shows, I'm always happy to listen. Thank you so much. See you next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye. Los Angeles.